Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. And uh, we've been over this before, and it may have been, I don't know, might have been earlier this year or sometime last year. But I love the book of Philippians, and I'm going to give you some reasons for it here in just a little bit. Begin our reading in chapter number 4, in verse number 4. And uh, we'll read a few verses here in uh, verse number 4. I may not read all the way down as far as we have scheduled. But in verse number 4, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. Simply means don't hold back. Don't hold back. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You'll never have a prayer or a request that you'll bring before God uh, that he's just going to turn away. He cares. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse number 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things, bring, uh, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. He goes on down and, and just kind of reiterates some of those things. And, and it's a very encouraging past, uh, passage of Scripture. And uh, I think that it's interesting what he said in verse number 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Isn't that amazing? I want to think about the book of Philippians. We know it and our title today is is not unusual, the joy of the Lord. The book of Philippians is based on the theme of the joy of the Lord. And uh, many times it's mentioned uh, in, in the text. It mentions joy some 16 times in these four chapters. About four times per chapter. It's either joy or rejoice or rejoicing. And uh, you already know that. And so I want to move on from there. And, uh, but then look with me. At another verse, and I call this the key verse in Philippians. The key verse used to be for me in verse number 13 of chapter number 4. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And I think that's a good verse, good motto. It's good for us to memorize. And, uh, and it gives us confidence in all those things that we can do what God has called us to do. Sometimes I question it in my own life. I've questioned the Lord for over four decades about my call to preach the gospel. And, uh, but I found that in the course of time that I've been able to do it, not because I was qualified uh, in the sense of, of man, but uh, that God had called me and, and, uh, and had uh, uh, not in the sense of being licensed by men, but God had, uh, for the most part, put his hand on me. And uh, I don't understand all that. I don't know who and why he chooses the ones that he does. 
But, and so that was a great verse of confidence through all these years. The times that I would get up and stand in front of audiences, I preached to as many as 3,000 and to as few as three. And, uh, and so you remember that verse when you're a preacher. I can do all, I can do this. I can do it, but I can't do it by myself. I have to have the strength of Christ. And uh, I, I, I'm like the old timers were at the point in time that I get up to, to preach on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or Wednesday night and I'm not nervous and I feel like I'm going to, you know, that I can do this thing. That's going to be the time that I sit down and say, hey, one of you guys come up here. But we can do it through him. Now, that's, uh, that's a great verse. But then I was reading through the book of Philippians recently and found in chapter number 3, and in verse number one, a verse that spoke loudly to my heart. Finally, my brethren, I re, uh, rejoice in the Lord to write these same things to you. To me, indeed, it is not grievous. But then the next words in this phrase, but for you, it is safe. It is safe. And so here's what the apostle is telling us, that we're to rejoice regardless. Rejoice regardless. Whatever we're going through, whatever the circumstances are that we're facing, the issues that uh, befall us along the way, that our responsibility in all these things is to rejoice regardless. That'd be a good thing for us to memorize. Just rejoice regardless. I want to do that. I don't do it, but I sure do want to. And then we also see there's a couple of things, and, and then I'll get back to it, and uh, we'll look at our outline briefly this morning. Uh, here's something that I also found, that our Savior is mentioned over 40 times in the book of Philippians, as Christ, Lord, Jesus, over 40 times. But our sin is not mentioned one single time. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it good to know this morning that our sin has been taken care of. Now, that's not to say that we're to go with unconfessed sin in our lives, but that original sin, that initial sin, that, that, that sin that caused us to be lost, that, that nature that we were born with, it has been eradicated by God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so I, he doesn't bring up our sin in these four chapters. You know why? Because he wants us to rejoice. And he wants us to be happy in the Lord. And he wants us to have great joy. And we, when we begin to think about our sin, even not necessarily our past sin, but our present sin, and our recent past sin, it's hard to keep a smile on our face. It's hard to be excited when we know that we're not pleasing our Heavenly Father. We know that we're not pleasing our Heavenly Father. And so I thought of that and I looked at it. Now, uh, back to Philippians chapter 3 and in verse number 1. He said, but for you, it is safe. You know, I looked up the Greek and the Hebrew meaning of the English word safe, and you know what I found the meaning to be? Safe. It means to be safe. Uh, there are some extended ministries, uh, uh, definitions of it, uh, but uh, for the most part, it just simely means that I am safe. Overall, I'm safe. Generally speaking, I'm safe. We're living in a day and hour that you don't feel that way, do you? And uh, when you see the news and watch the news and you watch of all the difficult 
things that people are going through, all the tragic things, I should say, that people are going through in, uh, in certain areas. Uh, they're afraid to go to the grocery store. They're afraid to get out of their automobiles. And the list goes on and on. They're being pushed on the subway rail tracks. And, and uh, you just, people don't feel safe. They don't feel safe. I, I'm uncomfortable when my wife goes to town alone by herself and goes to the mall and those kind of places. I worry. I was raised in a day and hour. You didn't have to worry about that. Quite frankly, the home that I was raised in, Sister Debbie and I got married in 1970, and I, we, I was raised in that home down here on Hutchinson Street, and that uh, was my mom and dad's house. That's where I was living um, when, uh, when, we, when we first met. And, uh, and so after I moved away from home, mom and dad sold that house to my oldest sister, Ann. She's 10 years older than I am. When they sold that house, now this had to be 71, 72, 73, and that house did not have one single lock on the windows. We didn't lock our windows. We had to open them at night. We didn't have any air conditioning. Had to open our windows at night. But I don't ever remember a time of feeling unsafe in that home. I'd be afraid to do that now, wouldn't you? But the safety that he's talking about in this passage of Scripture, uh, we still shouldn't go out on dark streets and isolated areas at night. We shouldn't go out and stand on the freeway. You know, we are safe in the respect that God is taking care of us. And so the reality of it is this morning that we, we can be safe, we can feel safe. There's so many things that he makes mention of in this chapters, these chapters as we just kind of bounce around in the book of Philippians. I want you to notice with me, if you would, a few things. Look with me in the first chapter. There's several things that are given to us in the first chapter. And uh, then we'll give you the simple points of the outline. Now, how can, how can I feel safe? How can I rejoice regardless? How can I understand that I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth, strengtheneth me? How can all these things be so? Uh, There's some things that he mentions that we should do. And in Philippians chapter number 1, in verses, begin in verse number 14. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident in my bones are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. But look at verse number 17. But the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. We are to preach the gospel. I was thinking about it when I was studying over this message over the last couple of days preparing for the Lord's Day morning. And I was thinking about that when I preached last Sunday morning, I preached on the action, the gospel in action, out of Acts chapter number 16. And I didn't even think about how that, that passage of Scripture, in reality, they had gone and preached the gospel in Philippi, and uh, the connection that I'm looking at here in the book of Philippians, those, that Philippian jailer, that uh, the woman named Lydia that had been healed for her, from her devils and demons, they were all products of the gospel being preached at Philippi. We're to preach the gospel. And don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget it. Here's something else. We're not only to preach Christ, but we are to live Christ. He said in verse number 16, the one preach Christ. 
we're to preach Christ. Secondly, we're to live Christ. That goes from 19 on down uh, to verse number 23. I'm not going to take time to read all these verses. You can read them when you get home. Uh, also, we're to confess Christ, Philippians 2, verses 9 to 11. Uh, you can write them down in your notes. We're to win Christ. I want to look at that one just momentarily. It's found in chapter number 3 of the book of Philippians. Chapter number 3 and in verse number, uh, verses 8 through 10. He's, this is the Apostle Paul. He'd given his credentials and all the accolades that he had received in the ministry. And in life, he said, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss. Now pay attention to this. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ. Keep that in mind momentarily. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ and the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I might know that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. I didn't really know what the word safe meant in the story. And then it seemed like the word win, when we think of winning, you know, we think of of, uh, of, uh, of victories and, uh, and triumphs and conquests and all those kind of things, and, and rightfully so. But what does it mean when, when, uh, when I talk about that I, have, that I win Christ? Here's what I see. Ladies and gentlemen, the goal, and uh, Brother Brian mentioned a little bit in Sunday school this morning, it is so easy for us to get our eyes off the prize, isn't it? Uh, it's so easy in this life to get carried away with everything else, but we're to be reminded, as the Apostle Paul in this passage of Scripture, that the goal is Christ. The goal is Christ. The secondary goals have no importance in eternity. Now, I realize that we must have our jobs, we must make our living, we must do the things that are necessary to sustain our families in this life, but not without keeping Jesus Christ as the goal, the goal. And so when he speaks in terms of that, I might win Christ, I think about, you know, people, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, their goal in life is to, to, to amass a great fortune, to amass a great fortune of wealth. And a lot of people, their goals in life sometimes, it is to have great recognition. A lot of us preachers, we never, we all want to run a thousand in Sunday school. It's not that we lack ambition or anything else, but, you know, some things get in the way of that. But uh, that's not the main goal in life is to have a thousand in Sunday school. The goal is to, to win Christ, to win Christ. And so he explains that to us, and, and, um, and I'm thankful for it. Sometimes it's fame, sometimes it's fortune, success, recognition, accolades, our name in the lights. But the main goal that the Apostle Paul, that's why he could lay it all aside. That's why he could say, and I've known people to do that. Uh, I remember one of the evangelists that preached here for many years, years and years and years ago, 
had to be way back over before this building in the, in the uh, early 90s and the 80s. And uh, he was a, a professional, he was an uh, uh, um, uh, impressionist. And he, he could do all of them. I mentioned Johnny Cash a while ago. He could do, he could do everybody. And it was, he was as good as any, anyone I ever saw in the Ed Sullivan show. If you don't know who Ed Sullivan was, just go look up black and white TV and you can find it. And uh, every Sunday night he'd come on and uh, Ed Sullivan show and he would uh, have these uh, great entertainers on of the day and hour. But, uh, and, and you would see some of those and they would, they would do impressions of Richard Nixon and, and all the famous people at that time. And Brother Ron Sexton could do it as good as anybody. He was a great musician and a, and a tremendous singer. And I'm talking about the, 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 the Las Vegas type stuff. And he had a contract, and this was back in the 70s and the 80s. And he had a contract that all he had to do was sign. And it was a $1 million contract. But he never signed it. He went out and he preached the gospel. And he served Christ. And he, won, and he won boys and girls and men and women to Christ throughout his lifetime. Just a great man of God. We've seen a few of those through the course of the years. Through the course of the years. Christ is the goal. Young person, this morning I, I know you've got, you've got a lot of decisions to make uh, in life. You know, what, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go to school? What am I going to do when I get there? You know, what will I minor in, what will I major in, what will I be, what, will, what am I going to do, what kind of life do I want to live, what are my goals and all these kind of things. But only face those in the light of Christ is the ultimate goal. Now that we might win him. And then we're to look for Christ. Look back with me in chapter number one for just a moment. Now again, I want to saying to you, as I said halfway through the message this morning and all through the message last Sunday, I, I don't know why I'm on this uh, gospel, of uh, preaching the gospel thing, and uh, I guess because it is the power of God and the salvation, I don't know. But um, there's five times that the gospel is mentioned. It's mentioned more than five times in our text. But um, I want to share with you some times that it's mentioned here. In, uh, and so it, it all... My, my winning Christ, uh, my uh, rejoicing regardless, my I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, all of that, all of that doesn't happen. It doesn't come to pass. It never comes to fruition outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your life, before you were saved, the only hope that you had was to hear the gospel of Jesus. That's the only reason we're saved. You don't get, you don't get saved by hearing uh, fairy tales and uh, you don't get saved by a bunch of, a bunch of uh, uh, a rhetoric. You get saved by hearing the gospel. It is a gospel. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so what you are today and what I am today is all because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news. You want some good news? I, we turned on the uh, TV for a few moments this morning just to catch up on election news and all those kind of things. We're praying desperately for a, a huge a turn uh, in things. 
And so we just watched it for a few minutes and went on coffee, uh, out on the back porch and drank our coffee and enjoyed a great time of fellowship together. And, but we did watch a few moments in the news, and I didn't really hear anything good. I heard one story where on one of the university campuses that there was a protest that was going on, and some of the students that were protesting, they, uh, conservative values, they started ripping the pages out of a Bible and chewing them up. Chewing up the pages of a Bible on a university campus. Sad times. That's not a lot of good news. Not a lot of good news. Maybe ingesting it that way, maybe it'll do something for them. I'm not sure. The gospel, the good news. Well, I tell you, this world could use some good news, couldn't it? Could use some good news. I'm just going to give you these. We're not going to take time. You can trust me that these are in each of these passages. The first one being the fellowship of the gospel. The fellowship of the gospel. I'm glad that we that believe the gospel of Jesus, we might have, there might be a thousand things that we're not necessarily at odds or in disagreement about. We're just not sure about some things. I tell you, we can all agree on the gospel, can't we? Hey, by the way, there was a time, and it's not been that many decades ago here in America. It's been in my lifetime that for the most part, the Baptists, the Methodists, the, uh, ch the Pentecostals, the Church of God, that whole group of people, that whole group of people believe the gospel just like you believe the gospel this morning. The same gospel. I remember when I was pastoring over in Lakeland. Now, this is the uh, mid-70s. We went there in 1976. And I was invited to go down to, at the Methodist Church, they had a men's prayer breakfast like we do next Sunday morning, by the way. And uh, they invited me, the the pastor of the Independent Baptist Church in town to come down to the United Methodist Church and give a devotion. Some preacher would say, oh, don't do that, don't do that. I wonder what Jesus would say. We're more afraid of offending the brethren than we are the Lord. I tell you, if I, if, if I got invited to the Vatican to give testimony, I'd go give testimony at, at the Vatican. No restrictions, no strings tied. And so I went down that morning and uh, took my King James Bible, and they all had their King James Bible. And we looked into God's Word, and we read some text, and I, I gave them a little devotion and enjoyed their breakfast and their fellowship. And so I got invited. From that, they said, uh, we're having camp meeting. We're having what meeting? And I knew what camp meeting was. They said, camp meeting's coming up at Camp Tiger." And said, we'd love for you to come one night. And, and so I did. And I went out to Camp Tiger, and it was a Methodist camp meeting. Uh, at a, it's a, it was an old campground at the time, and it still is, I'm sure. And I've been there multiple times over the years for other, other purposes. And, uh, and so they had this crowd, six, seven hundred people, and they were singing the songs of Zion, and they were preaching out of the Word of God, and it made my heart happy. You know why? We might not agree. And, uh, and uh, you know, theologically and practically in a thousand other ways, we might not agree. But I tell you what, it is the gospel that saves a sinner from his sins. Whether it's in a Methodist church or an Episcopalian church, or it is nothing but the gospel of Christ. It is the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. 
God's Son. The fellowship of the gospel. Now, I'm not part of the ministerial association, all those kind of things, never have been, never had a desire to. But I tell you, it, the state that America's in, if, if people who name the name of Christ, if they don't come together on some issues like abortion and issues like our nation and, and the Constitution and conservative values, we're going to sink. We're going to sink. And so we have fellowship in the gospel. I probably shouldn't have put that on the live stream. I, some of the Baptist brethren there probably called me before dark. Fellowship in the gospel. Confirmation of the gospel. In verse number 7, he said that uh, the defense and confirmation of the gospel. The third thing is the furtherance of the gospel. Oh, how we need to make sure that we take this gospel and expand it to every continent, to every nation. And I'm thankful that uh, this church has been a, a part of it was a product of missions, and now it's been a part of missions for over 50, what, 52, 53 years. That's what we do. That's, these flags represent some of the nations that we have missionary emphasis that are going on. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's a church. Sometimes it's a children's home. Uh, and and uh, Brother Cotfus uh, down in, outside of Lima, Peru, and they have a blind and deaf orphanage, and they take care of little orphanage kids that have been abandoned and they take care of them and make sure uh, they, I went there, I had the privilege to uh, go in there a few years ago when a uh, uh, missionary Miller that started the orphanage and uh, we had a privilege, an opportunity to go out and he was teaching uh, these kids uh, trades and teaching them even though, I mean, they couldn't hear but they could drive a nail and, and you know, and, and and uh, they couldn't see, but they're certain. And he made sure that they learned their ABCs and one, two, threes, or whatever it is in Spanish. But he also, he loved them, and he, and he taught them, and he trained them in Christ. And so it is important that we understand the confirmation of the gospel. Let's close with these, the furtherance of the gospel, pushing the gospel around the world. That's chapter 1, verses 10 through 14. They're all there. The defense of the gospel, I already mentioned it in verse number 17, but in passing we'll mention it again. And then the faith of the gospel. You know, I'm still confident, according to chapter number 1, verses 25 through the end of the chapter, I'm confident after these many years, I think I've been here 42 years, I was 40, I was four years, almost four years in Lakeland. So we're looking at, uh, I've already passed, I think, 46 years in the pastorate. And uh, I'm still confident of this. And I've watched, a lot of, I've watched a lot of ideas come, and I've watched a lot of ideas go, and, and, uh, and I've seen all that you can do. And, and uh, we, we've been through the promotion times and everything and had a, a friend that, that uh, he was uh, in, big in the promotion stuff. And, and I'm, I'm talking about people jumping out of the sky, out of airplanes and, and throwing candy and all those kind of things, fine with me, and then jumping buses. But, you know, after a while, you can jump one bus with a motorcycle and then two and then three and then four and then five and then six. Who knows? You might can jump ten of them if they're side by side, but eventually that's going to run out. But this gospel, it's still, it's still the power of God and the salvation.
and let us not forget it. I'm not. I'm, I, mean, I love competition. We, we, uh, in the spring, hopefully, we'll be able to have a challenge in our Sunday school classes. We've done it so many ways before to build up our Sunday school. I'm all for that and doing the things that, you know, to draw people in. By the way, I got to, and I know I'm, I'm not running out of time. I'm running out of me right now. But the, uh, we got, you know, uh, our vacation Bible school this year raised over $3,500 uh, for soccer balls and athletic stuff uh, in, uh, in Togo. And uh, we sent them to Brother Alderman. And, um, and they were so grateful for it. I got uh, some pictures the other day. We're going to have to show them to you. Got some pictures not only of his church and what they were able to do in uh, drawing those boys and girls in with those soccer balls and soccer nets and all those kind of things he was able to buy. But one of their mission churches, a hundred miles away from them, he said, I had more than enough to take care of our ministry. And so he gave it to another ministry, and they bought soccer balls. And it was an unbelievable number of teenagers came to the service and got saved that day. You just got to keep pushing it. You just got to press on. Our Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for this day. Thank you for your blessings. Lord, we rejoice in your goodness today. We thank you, Father, that we can indeed find safety in Jesus.